Hello and welcome to At The Source. I'm Alex and this is Karis. This is a podcast about food stories. We love talking about food and eating it. So we wanted to talk to fellow food lovers and record their stories. We're having conversations with everyone from home cooks to food producers and restaurateurs. So why not join us as we explore food in all its glory? Welcome to At The Source. My name's Karis. I'm Alex. And today's guest is... A friend of ours, uh, her name is Lisa Cadd, and she is a woman of many skills, I believe. When I first met her, she'd actually only recently started a blog called Fuss Free Foodie. And uh, since then, she has just gone from strength to strength. And despite the fact that I don't know her as well as I probably should, I feel really proud that I know her because she does some really cool things, including a Christmas special with the Hairy Bikers. Uh, she does one-on-one tutoring with kids. You know, she's got a really long history in food. So we thought, let's cho- let's talk to Lisa. Let's see what exciting food stories she has to share And she's sitting here in our little studio, and I'm using air quotes with that, and we're going to bombard her with questions. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Karis, thank you for referring to my spare bedroom as a studio. um, Lisa sat on the end of my spare bed, and we are surrounded by blankets to make the room nice and soft so that you can hear us clearly. Right, I'm going to start with a question, Lisa, that we like to ask everybody on our podcast. What is your first food memory? I think my first... I've got two memories that kind of stick out in my head that kind of come straight away when I think about earliest food memories. The first one involves um, gluttony. Nice. <laughs> which... Um, uh, one of the seven sins is a good start. <laughs> it's going to be a great podcast. <laughs> Things are about to get a little crazy in here. So I can remember my grandparents, my Italian grandparents, which I'm sure we'll talk about them a bit later, took me to some sort of fate festival thing and um they basically took me into a tent where there's a lot of cake there's lots of cupcakes and I can just remember them saying you know would you like another one and I'll be like yes please is that enough no and I kept getting really confused between when I needed to say yes and when I needed to say no I just remember having about five cakes amazing <laughs> um, but the problem was I ate them all um and I can remember <laughs> really bad stuff okay. so that's an interesting food first food memory but also I can remember they used to take me to a Chinese restaurant. Um, Your Italian grandparents used to take you to a Chinese yep, restaurant. Yeah, absolutely okay. right. I know. And um, so they used to drive from um, Newark to Grantham to this really good Chinese. I can remember having seriously spicy hot prawns. Um, so that for me, and I was probably about nine, ten, that kind of age, thinking about my children now and what they eat, I think that's kind of, for me, was probably the most exotic thing that I'd eaten at that stage, bearing in mind I ate a lot of pasta with them normally. So yeah, they're my two earliest memories. You mentioned earlier when we were having a bit of lunch before we, we brought you into the padded cell, um, <laughs> that you almost feel like you were weaned on pasta from having your Italian grandparents. Yeah, there was a lot of pasta involved when I used to go around to their house. Every If you're going for a meal, it would usually be three courses naturally, but it would start with a bowl of pasta. On Christmas Day, um, we, and we'd have a traditional kind of, you know, roast turkey, you know, and all the trimmings, very English. But we used to start with pasta piena, which is basically stuffed lasagna mm. with meatballs, egg and salami. So it used to be about, well, probably about nearly the size of this table, which is, I don't what know. What do you think? It's about A2 size. Yeah. And um, massive tray of this this pasta piena and you know we always to get a, a good a good wedge of that before we oh. even sat down to our turkey dinner so yeah that sounds amazing a lot of pasta was present and um as i mentioned earlier my 
my kind of my best kind of recipes my Italian nonna used to make was a um, pasta patate, which was um, pasta and potato. And it's kind of soupy, pastry, potatoey kind of dish. Mm. And, you know, you say carbs on carbs, you can't go wrong. So it was Any cheese on there? I don't remember cheese, but there was a similar one with chickpeas and it was just brothy and just kind of, yeah, really tasty. Yeah, that was a kind of simple, kind of rustic, fuss-free food. Aha. And that brings us to our next question. So you started your blog, Fuss-Free Food. Fuss-Free Foodie. Well, Fuss-Free Foodie. Sorry. Near the end of 2016. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And you started that because... Your your two sons were grown up enough that they were going to school and you were sort of like, what do I do with my life now? Mm. What were you sort of aiming for? And, you know, listeners no, won't know what's what's going on in Lisa's life until we talk about it a little bit later, but did you think it would end up the way it is now when you started? No, not. I mean, the simple answer is no, I did not expect to be, you know, having done the things that I've done in the last nearly two years at all. I I couldn't have even visualised it being as cool as it has been. I think I just kind of realised as soon as both children were in school and I had the kind of data myself, I was just doing a lot more kind of, you know, shopping around the bed shops and looking at what was on, you know, available in the supermarkets and searching out a lot more new recipes and just kind of thinking, you know what, not everybody has this luxury of being able to do this. And I do love to cook and I do love to eat, more importantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, why don't I share this information with other people? And I, I suppose that's why... Um, I started the community so that I could kind of, that was my outlet to kind of, you know, share what I was finding. But, so, sorry, when you say community, <clears throat> yeah. you have built a community on Facebook and you've got... Um, so I think we've just hit 450 um, members in the group. And so the ethos of Fuss Free Foodie is fuss free. Yeah, you know, you don't have to spend all day slaving in the kitchen. You don't have to have an ingredients list that's about, you know, 50 long. You can actually make a really delicious meal without kind of laboring that intensively in the kitchen. So, you know, I kind of feel like I'm a bit of a translator at times. I kind of I love to watch chefs cooking and I like to see what they're what they're doing. But I what I feel like I try and do is to kind of pair it back and take what they're doing but make it for the layman and almost kind of strip it back enough that you can get, you know, a really great result that's delicious without having to kind of, you know, be a chef, basically, because <laughs> most people don't have that time or, or inclination. Really, I think the community works really nicely for that because you can kind of share an ingredient and people will comment mm. and and there's quite a lot of engagement in that group that I've seen where people are actually saying, oh, I'll, I'll try this or I'll yeah. do that. So um, rather than you just having a blog where you post things and people may or may not try them, you're actually mm. getting that feedback all the time that yeah. these simple easier to cook recipes are actually working for all sorts of people absolutely and it kind of um propels itself a lot more now obviously in the first six months I was doing a lot of the kind Mm. of you know on a Tuesday I'd do top tip Tuesday and you know I'd do different things on different days but Mm. now it just kind of kind of keeps itself ticking over and I always kind of give give my kind of perspective or give Mm. my input Um, but I kind of let the community run itself in a sense it's not about me Mm. it's about the community and and sharing and inspiring and kind of you know seeing you know talking about what's in season or you know help I've got this ingredient what can I do with it so Mm. going back to your kind of initial kind of question about you know what made me kind of start the blog it it was it was literally I was doing it and I thought you know what I'm just going to share it and as soon as I made that decision I'm going to share what I'm doing in a blog. And I've never written a blog before. You know, I've never really done any writing. As soon as I made that decision, it just felt right. And I kind of just went with it and talked to a couple of people and said, how do I start a blog? 
and then it just went from there really so it was a kind of I you know I mentioned it to one or two people but I kind of kept it to myself because I didn't want to be dissuaded and mm. I just thought I'm just going to crack on with it and you know, if I just focus on doing a blog, I started doing two a week at the beginning. I'm not going to focus on the fact that I'm not getting paid. I'm not going to focus on the fact that I don't know where it's going. It was almost like that was my labour of love. And I'm just going to focus on that. And where it goes is where it goes. I kind of trusted that it would kind of do its own thing. I just hadn't quite imagined that it would do it in the sense that it has. Do you consider yourself a, you know, quote unquote, food blogger? Or would you call yourself something else yeah I kind of I kind of feel like question (laughs) I'm a a bit of a jack of all trades now I kind of I'd say I I am a food blogger but I also now create my own recipes which I didn't do at the start a lot of the time it was the recipes that I was using um just from the cookbooks that I enjoy so I'd say I'm I, I'd say recipe curator. I quite like that word. Oh, I like that. I like that. Word. Very nice. Um, but also, you know, doing videos and tutorials, and obviously the teaching now, um, teaching children, and also doing live demos as well, which I just kind of started doing recently. So, I don't know, sharing sharing the foodie love. I suppose I don't know. It's very cheesy, but yeah, I just I'm just doing what I love. I'm just doing what I enjoy. All the aspects of um, the first free foodie that I'm kind of involved with at the moment are just purely the things that I enjoy doing. That's fantastic. That's absolutely the way it should be. And, you know, starting a blog, obviously we met you through also writing food yes, blogs, which absolutely. is really nice. And um, I love the fact that it's it's a passion and it's something that you can throw yourself into as a kind of release from day-to-day life. Mm. You mentioned that now you are creating your own recipes. Mm. How do you start that process? Is it kind of you have a light bulb moment in the middle of the afternoon with cheese or what What goes shower into thoughts. starting? Always in the shower. Yeah, I did get some pretty good inspiration. <laughs> really inconvenient because there's just nowhere to write it down. But I just kind of get things popping in at various times. I suppose if I'm writing recipes, because I do recipes for the National Association of Cider Makers, so... You know, I get given a brand of cider that I'm supposed to cook with that month and I create a recipe based around that. Um, so it's just thinking about what works quite randomly. I, there's a certain quirk. That sounds really weird. There's a certain corner that I turn to go up my road and I've had a couple of really great ideas <laughs> turning that corner. Um, that's where I have my idea for my um, Easter Rocky Road. Um, and there was another thing as well. But so it's just... I don't know, it's it's being, I suppose, in a, a relaxed headspace, probably not dealing with the children, you know, not kind of doing anything that's stressing me out. It's normally, you know, on the yoga mat or in the allotment. It's normally in one of those peaceful times where there is space for those ideas to permeate to the top of my brain and pop in. But yeah, I do have to kind of have a little notebook by me just to kind of scribble stuff down and then just you know, have those ideas. And then, I mean, nothing is original, is it? You know, I come up with this idea and or a pairing of two things that will work really well together. And you go and Google it and someone's done someone's it already. already it's nothing it. new. So what I then tend to do is to see what other people have done. I'm a bit of a magpie at this point. Um, I might bring up two or three different recipes and then I'll just take the bits that I like from those recipes mm. and then just create something that's my own. Um, I've had it on good knowledge that in order to be able to call it your own recipe, I think you've got to change about, I don't know, three or four things or something oh, like right. that. Okay. So um, when I found that out, I was like, oh, okay. So I am really writing my own recipes. Yeah. That's kind of, that was a nice mm. realisation. But yeah. That that's how it kind of works. In the most inopportune times, great ideas will surface. Keep that notepad on you yeah. at all times. Or phones. Phones are pretty good for you know. That's true. <laughs> I've a pen and paper, but actually yeah. everyone just uses their phones now, don't they? Do you keep it 
all in a list and then have a day when you, you trial everything or how are you constantly trialing recipes like for your husband and your children how does it how does it pan out well I'd say genuinely all the stuff that you'll see on my Instagram feed or stuff that I'm posting up on Facebook it's what we are eating at that time I don't unless it's for the side of companies what I'm cooking is basically what I'm finding in the shops what's seasonal what's growing on the allotment I've got glut it, it's just going with you know what's about at that time so I'm just going to a shop saying oh look they've got spaghetti squash or I've got them on the allotment what can I do with this so that's how I roll so a lot of the time or if I'm going to tutor the young chap that I tutor he just chooses what we do each week and quite often that will influence me too so you know I think we did profiteroles at one point and then I made them for a party or there'll be a recipe that we do. I thought, oh, that'd be a really good one I can do on the blog. So I just kind of allow myself to get go with the flow and drift along with what just kind of seems to be happening in my environment and in my circumstances and just almost use that as my inspiration, really. And it's not really me thinking, it's just allowing the stuff that I'm doing to my go environment. Go with the flow. Yeah, <laughs> go with the flow indeed. This is not your first sort of foray into the world of food. You, you know, and we actually over lunch, we found out a lot of things about Lisa that we didn't know. And they're quite fascinating. Um, but the key thing was up until, I guess, how long ago um, you were a tutor at Bordeaux Key? Yeah. So that was probably about, that was probably about 12 years ago. I kind of left my marketing job, kind of went to a, a cooking class, a bread making class. And I was really enjoying the class and I saw this girl in the background, you know, milling around, doing stuff, organising. I just went and chatted to her. I said, you know, this is really cool. How do I kind of do what you do? Because I, I knew I wasn't going to be in my marketing job for much longer and chatted to her. And she said, oh, well, I, you know, we work at the cookery school. We're always looking for new tutors. Why don't you come down and just hang out and watch a class and observe and see if it's something you'd like to do? And it just kind of started from there, really. Tutoring started from there where I just assist the, the chef tutors on the, the adult classes so I'd get to learn more stuff and then as time went on then I used to teach and lead the um, children's cooking classes there in the school holidays so that kind of started um, I think I was in the job about two years and then I got pregnant with my first child I can um, wholeheartedly say being in a kitchen when you're pregnant is not ideal because they've got these you know massive stock pots of boiling mm. bones and Ooh. you walk in at nine o'clock in the morning feeling a little nauseous it's not exactly what you <laughs> want to be smelling but um, left after um, I had my first child and then didn't actually go back to work um, until like he was 15 months old and then I think I got pregnant again so <laughs> it, I kind of took seven years out having the kids at home um, which kind of felt like the right thing to do but bought okay as it was changed and I didn't want to go back to it as it was so yeah, had to just move on and and kind of focus on my family, and and then I kind of resurfaced, resurfaced and popped out the other side. Rebrand, yes, <laughs> big rebrand. Let's talk about now. Let's talk about you know how the blog is going and some of those highlights. You know that I sort of mentioned at the top of the show is like you know you did the Harry Barker's Christmas special on the BBC last year, which is really cool. Uh, you recently presented at the Oxford Foodies Festival. You've been doing some recipe development for the Cider Makers Association. Are these the types of things that you like doing, and do you see yourself doing more of those? And and how do they come about? Well, I really enjoy doing them, and and these are the things that I couldn't have visualised at the start of starting the blog and that's kind of why I wanted to not put any kind of limitations on what this was going to be because I there's no way I could have pictured you know myself being on the hairy bikers at Christmas that was 
purely born out of um, a, ne- a local networking group that I went to. I connected with a lady that was um, quite local to me. She does workshops from her kitchen and we just had a coffee and had a chat about doing a Christmas workshop. We never actually did that workshop, ironically. Mm. Um, but we- a week after um, we had that chat, that coffee, she said, oh, I've had this email from um, this production company looking for people to do edible Christmas gifts on on a on a BBC Christmas show. I don't think we even knew it's Harry Bikers to start with. I don't know. And um, um, she's like, do you think you'd be interested? <laughs> I was um... like, oh, let me think about that. Not at all. Yes, that would be really cool. Let's, you know, she'd got a barn, as you do, out by the airport that she converted. They were going to go and look at it to see if it was suitable for the set. And she said, why don't you come along to the meeting? So I did. And, you know, just kind of you know, spiraled from there. We met with them. They kind of, um, you know, I brought some other people in that I knew. Um, they said, you know, choose your recipes. And then we kind of filmed it in September. Great time to do your Christmas recipes. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was just one of those absolutely nuts situations where you kind of, you're going along with it and thinking, this is never going to happen. This is, you know, I'm so going to end up on the cutting room floor, you know, all these different kind of things that I set in place to kind of soften the blow in case it didn't work. But, you know, um, as you said, I was um, I was in four out of, you know, I think there was two weeks worth, worth of episodes and I've had four of my things kind of go out on the TV, which are all the ones I recorded. And that um, then led into more work, didn't it? Yeah. Really? So it, Brunston Pickle, was it? Yeah. So as I think, I think the second or third one went out and um, I just kind of had like loads of missed calls. My husband was calling me, somebody else calling me. I was, I was doing a talk at a school. I was talking to a group of children about, about blogging. And um, and I was just like, okay, so return these calls, see what's going on. Um, my husband's like, I've got, I've got this, I've got this gig for you. I'm like, right, okay. <laughs> oh, gig. <laughs> yeah, what's that then? And um, he said, oh, you know, a neighbour from down the road has said these guys are looking for a blogger, and somebody else um, had kind of called me from an agency, and basically I had three people recommend me to to kind of step in at the the eleventh hour. Somebody had gotten sick, and they needed a third blogger to do a recipe. I think it was cottage pie with Branston pickle. Yeah, I spoke to them at four o'clock. They're like, can you get a recipe developed, um, get it over to me with an ingredients list by seven tonight, and then can you turn up at three o'clock tomorrow and we'll start filming. Um, In fact, they wanted me there earlier. I had to shift my tutoring so that I could kind of make it happen. I just said, yes, I can can do that. That's fine. Because it was just one of those things that if I hadn't have gone for it and put myself out and kind of, you know, knuckled down for the night and sorted out my recipe... I, you just never know, and it and it's such a great thing on my website to have on there. You know, um, my you know, I was a pickle pioneer. That's what I was, <laughs> along with two other people. So yeah, it was um, it was fun, and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I just you know genuine genuinely loved doing it. Um, and yeah, I kind of had that kind of little nervous fear crisis of confidence you know in, in the run-up as I, they were running late and I was sat there waiting for my turn and watching the other person in front of me I was like oh gosh you know I hope this is going to go okay but as soon as I'm up there and kind of in that moment and being filmed I just somehow get in this kind of you know get in that place and it all kind of seems to to work out okay. It feels like you started your blog and then this very naturally you have your your tutoring your kind of teaching cooking at school your um youtube videos your demos you're born for you're born to teach people how to cook i kind of feel like i'm a a it's fantastic inspiring hopefully inspiring whether it's like the kids or whether it's the parents it's you know just sharing 
my passion for food and hopefully inspiring other people to have a go or just to take a bit more of an interest. I think with children especially, it's really important to start whilst they're young and just kind of nurture that curiosity about food. And, you know, it's, it's that's really nice because, you know, when I'm actually going back to the school in a couple of weeks when school kicks off, but they've asked me to go back and be a judge again at the um, um, the, lo- the school bake-off competition, which is Aww. how I started and that's how I got that gig there at that school was they asked a friend of a friend, again, networking, everything is that Can't underestimate networking. Do not underestimate networking. And just, you know, sharing what you love. People are interested and just kind of connecting with people. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just about going out there and just being yourself and people um, that have the same passions will align with you if you're, if you know what aligns with you. And I guess food is at my soul. It's just all about getting out there sharing your love which actually is everything you're saying is exactly how Karis and I got together um oh, and, and met you the couple that you are the broadcasting <laughs> the the golden queen and queen of broadcasting going to events meeting other people through similar interests and here we are making our podcast with you brilliant in my spare room <laughs> So if you could give someone a takeaway about, you know, your experiences over the last couple of years, um, it can be a little bit, you know, motivational speakery (laughs) or philosophical, but is there anything that you could give someone as a takeaway to say, you know, follow your dreams? Mm. I think if you've got that little kind of nagging voice saying, you know, you should do this or why don't you follow that? Why aren't you doing what you love? It's there for a reason. That's your kind of that's your true almost your true self trying to come through but the world that we live in there is so much stuff and I use that in inverted commas you know there's a tv there's a magazines there's a newspapers there's people putting expectations on what they think you should and shouldn't be doing we are brought up in a certain way that we feel like we have to go to work at nine to five and and be very conventional but you know I'm probably um going to be earning as much money now doing what I'm doing almost um, as I was before you know I left my marketing job I'm kind of doing what I love and still managing to 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 pay the bills if I had to but I suppose I was in that lovely position where I was kind of got a husband who's got his own business and I could take it without any pressure but I would say if you are in a job where you have to earn the money you know, you can do it in the evenings, do it on the weekends, find that little kind of nugget of time where you can just follow your passion and follow your dream. Because if you do that for a certain amount of time and and your heart and soul is in it, it will start to grow and it will start to kind of nurture and be that thing you want it to be. But don't put anything too defined on it. Allow it to kind of grow organically. And, you know, you might have to find at some point you have to flip it and um, spend more time on that thing that you love than in the job that maybe you don't enjoy so much so be prepared you might actually get what you really really want if you kind of follow your heart oh I love that it's a great fantastic ending yeah Yeah. so um, you actually brought with you today a Mm -hmm. is it plum yes it is a victoria plum so very seasonal victoria plum clafferty tart I love clafferty. I also love tarts, so I'm pretty excited about mm-hmm. eating that after the show. Um, and you made this at Foodies. 
Yes, the weekend. I did. So I did one of my cider recipes, which was paprika pork with heritage cider. And um, I don't know, I just kind of felt like I wanted to bring a dessert as well to the festival. Um, so my first free element was the fact that I brought a high quality um, pastry tart case already made. Um, but of course, you can make your own if you wanted to. Um, but it was, it, I don't know how it came about, actually. I think I, I found the plums in the in the veg shop. They are very seasonal and probably only in about in the shops for another week. I just wanted to do something with those. And I thought, I don't know where, it was just one of those things that popped into my head about doing clefuti. And um, I tried it just as a regular kind of no pastry in a buttered dish and it worked really well. And I just thought, I wonder if I could do it in the tart. It would just be a nice kind of, you know, more of a pudding. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's pretty, pretty simple to do. And um, yeah, and, and I and I saw that you'd... Uh, taken a bit of shine when you you saw the the blog post but I'd already decided <laughs> before you wrote there have, is there any left over um that I'd already decided I was going to make one and bring one anyway oh, oh you are a gem and that's exactly what we will be chomping our way through <laughs> the moment this podcast finishes so um I just want to say thank you so much for coming over it's been right. an absolute pleasure ditto it's been fun thank you for having me over and now it's time to go and eat some pie or nice. tart or combination of the two yes if you like the podcast we would love if you could subscribe so you can hear future episodes you can find um some links and things like that to you know lisa's blog um, and videos on our website at thesource.com we'll have some show notes there for you to take a look at Uh, and until next time 